Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy and friends are resting this week and will return next week. However, we have a leader from our local church community giving today's message. Today's sermon is given by Pastor Billy Kim, Director of Communications at 180 Church and Chaplain at NYU. So as I said before, um, this is the last Sunday of the last decade, and uh, last decade, no, it's not the last decade, <laughs> last Sunday of the decade, you know, those P-business has to start, man, somewhere. Uh, but to tell you the truth, uh, uh, to be here preaching on this particular Sunday is actually very interesting and very uh, weird for me. Um, and it's really weird and um, strange for me because last week we had our Christmas Sunday service. And next week, we're actually going to have our first Sunday of the, the year and the decade. So uh, here I am um, on this particular Sunday preaching between two major holidays and two themes. And you know what I mean is that like, you know, just a couple of days ago, we celebrated uh, for, mon- for many of us uh, Christmas. And so we're trying to wind down and unwind from all the holiday festivities, um, all the last minute shopping, um, all the family obligations. And now we're actually gearing up and trying to move forward to celebrate or look forward to the next year and the next decade. So we're literally in between two major holidays and two major themes. You know, in fact, actually, if you look at the date itself today, December 29th, we're literally the day is actually between Christmas and New Year's. And so I wanted to bring that up to you uh, to start today because that's the theme that I wanted to talk about. Uh, Today, I actually want to talk about uh, what it means when we find ourselves in two major moments in our lives, you know, and perhaps what God might be working and moving in, those, in that in-between period. Because for many of us, when we find ourselves in in-between periods, whether you could call it a transition uh, or a next stage of where you might be, um, a lot of times for many of us, we hate that process. Uh, truth be told, for a lot of us, uh, we are impatient with when we're in the middle of that process. Uh, we are a culture, we are a people that likes immediate gratification um, and instant gratification, right? Like, for example, this is why we use Amazon. How many people use Amazon here, right? How many people have used Amazon for their shopping for this holiday? Yes, same here. We know that Amazon is an evil empire, right? We know that like, they, they, um, they treat their workers badly and poorly, yet, I have to tell you the truth, I still use Amazon and I love Amazon Prime because we feed in, I mean, they, t- they feed on our impatience, right? There's no other company that could actually provide that kind of service for that cheap of a price to deliver your packages for two days. I mean, for me, I happen to have, be a last minute shopper uh, uh, recently this season. I almost forgot my niece's present, true story. It was really bad and I actually, so I was so grateful for Amazon because I, I, I got her present on literally December 22nd and, I, and she actually got it right before Christmas. You know, like, I am an indicative of last minute shopping, right? But I think that's actually a good picture where many of us find ourselves in and um, what our culture uh, embodies. Uh, we are a culture that, is, uh, that falls into instant gratification and immediate results. And so for many of us, when we find ourselves in these in-between moments and stages in our lives, 
and we don't get what we want or it's not up to par of where we think that we need to be and we feel delayed or we feel like um, we're not at that place where we should be at 15 or 25 or 45 or when we go into 2020 or we're in our careers or the, uh, the new job in our careers or the next stage in life with our significant other or whatever it might be, there's a sense of frustration, um, of disappointment, of, of angst in our life and even in our faith. And I wanted to bring that up today because we are going into 2020. You know, we are in that middle of that transition. And with all that thing is going, all those angst and frustrations and maybe even changes that we're looking for or we want or we desire as we move on to uh, the next decade, I think what's actually most important is how God wants to see us and how he wants to work in us through that next, the next year or the next decade. And how God actually wants to work through us in those in-between moments in our lives because the way God works is very different from the way we work or we think how he should work. And it's so important to see from that perspective because if you do, if we do, I think we could get so much growth, so much transformation and perspective of where we're at and where we need to be or where God wants us to be. Amen? Because if you actually look at scripture and the way God moves and how he works in everybody's lives um, and the people he interacts with, the most powerful moments, um, the most powerful changes, um, the deepest transformations actually happen in the in-between moments. You know, whether it's the story of Abraham or King David or Moses and even Jesus himself, the most powerful moments actually happen in those in-between moments where God works very deeply. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Um, and that's what I want to answer, like how God really wants to work in those in-between moments and what he wants us to do as we actually even enter into 2020. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to go into 2 Corinthians 4 and through uh, Paul's letter to the church of Corinth, uh, we're going to uh, answer those questions. And so uh, verse 16 says this. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Meaning, Paul is saying, do not be discouraged if you're feeling like there's a delay in your life. You know, Paul is saying, do not give up if you feel like there might not be something going on and it's just really hard um, at the place that you're at this very moment in your situation. Because though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Meaning that although at this moment right now, wherever you might be in your stage, it might be externally like nothing might be happening. It might, actually be, it might actually feel like there's not much to look forward to in the next year. I don't know, for some of you guys that might be the case. Um, it might feel like even at this very moment that you're taking L's. What I mean by that, like it just seems like uh, things are falling apart. You know, you're not winning, but things are decaying or even losing in the, in, in the areas of your life. Paul is, is actually encouraging us and saying that in spite of those things externally, you are being renewed day by day. And what does renewed mean? Right, right. What's the definition of renewed? It means to change. It means to be transformed or it transforming and changing. And so what Paul is saying here is that in spite of all those things that we might be feeling or discouraged externally, what, you, what we have to realize is that in spite of all those things, that internally 
as, you're, as we're looking to God and working to God, God is actually doing something. He's actually working. You know, tell somebody next to you, God is working. And so, what is he working at, right? In verse 17, it says this, For a light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, what is the, uh, what is the renewal that God wants to work and does a deep work in our lives? He wants to create something that's glorious in you. How many people like that idea? Some, you, how many people want to be glorious? <laughs> right? How many people think they're, have, uh, they are glorious? You know what I mean? Like here, we like the idea, right? Of course we like the idea of glory. We, um, I mean, we're in New York, guys, right? We, we, this is the reason why we're here. You know, we love glory. We're addicted to glory. And whether you guys might admit it or not, we enjoy being liked. We enjoy having, uh, like get, having people have our, uh, when people have our attention. Right? We like it when people admire our gifts and abilities or even beauty. Right? You know, we like that idea of glory. Right? But here in this passage, the glory that Paul talks about is very different from the glory that we assumed it to be. In, in fact, actually, as Paul is talking to the church of Corinth, um, they were very similar to us in that way. You know, uh, any, if you know anything about the city of Corinth, they're very much like New York City. It was a place of commerce. It was a place of wealth. It was a place of ideas where many people came together to try to make something of themselves and try to build something of themselves. So they were people that loved prestige, people that honored wealth. They loved titles, just like us in New York City. And so when Paul is talking about this and when he's writing about glory, you know, the, court, uh, the, the people of Corinth, just like us, are like, ooh, yeah, glory, I like that. But here Paul is making a twist about those things and about that definition. Because for Paul, it's not about, glory is not about that celebrity or that wealth or that prestige or honor. It's actually about something else. It's actually something deeper. And what we call that is actually character. Now, some of you guys might be saying, what does character have to do with glory? Right? And so I want to put this up. This is where it gets fun for me. These two guys. The guy over here, do you guys know who he is? Kyrie Irving. He is a superstar from the Nets, right? Um, he does have a championship, Le LeBron James. Um, he is one of the most talented basketball players uh, in the world right now, AKA Uncle Drew. If you, know, if you hang out with Josh at all, uh, Dr. Sammy's youngest son, like he loves Kyrie Irving. He got the dribble, he got the flash, he's an incredible player. But if you ever followed uh, Kyrie Irving and his career, and sorry Dr. Sammy, because I know you are a season ticket holder, uh, if you look at his career when he moves from the Cavs to the Boston Celtics to the Nets, you see an ongoing problem with him. Although he might be the most talented in his team, the, the problem is every time he goes from one team to another, the team always underperforms. Everyone projects him whenever he's in a team, whether he is in the Cavs or even last year at the Boston Celtics, right? They were supposed to be one of the best teams to actually make it to the finals, but they underachieve. And when it comes to the Nets this year, it's a very similar pattern where you're, you, we're expecting them to be great, 
but it just seems like it's underperforming. And so that's what actually happened with the Boston Celtics last year. And so they replaced someone like Kyrie Irving with a guy over here on this side. Do you guys know who this is? Exactly, you don't know. <laughs> His name is Kemba Walker, right? The dude, is, the dude plays the same position as Kyrie Irving, but he's just much less talented. He's not, he's not that great compared to him. But if you actually follow the Boston Celtics, even though I don't really like them because they're Boston, right? I mean, as New Yorkers, we just can't like Boston. But I have to give that the respect that even though, even though he's less talented, you, you see this team actually thrive and go beyond expectation of what's going on. You know, and you wonder, okay, so how does this, why is that, right? What's going on here? And so uh, I actually listened to a lecture by this guy named uh, Simon Sinek, and I don't know if you know who he is, but uh, he's, um, he's a leadership expert, an ethicist, um, a New York Times bestseller. And I saw this lecture that uh, he posted up, which I found to be interesting, that actually uh, clarifies and identifies actually what's going on with Kyrie Irving and Kemba Walker and everything that's going on. And he shared a story about how he worked with um, a, the team, um, I believe, a military team called SEAL Team 6, right? You guys know what SEAL Team 6 is? Uh, SEAL Team 6 is the elite of the elite, the best of the best in the military, right? And so he was asking them, how do you guys recruit your team members, right? Who do you choose to be in your group? And when he asked them that question, they gave him this chart. And so they gave him a chart called Performance and Trust. All right, this is where I get nerdy and a little bit you know, geeky around here. Performance and trust. And so performance is uh, about your skill, your talent, your abilities. You know, the way they defined it was, if I'm on the combat, can, um, will, if I'm in combat, like, will you take care of my life? Will you cover my life? Right? Um, and then trust is defined as something that's outside the battlefield. Where they're, where they're defined, yeah, you could trust me on my life in the battlefield, but trust is, do, do I trust you with my money and my wife? You know, that, that's how they defined it. And so what they discovered uh, over the years at, in recruitment and training, and of course this is um, in any team, you know, you don't want anyone that's actually a low performer, low trust, right? And everybody would want someone that's a high performer and high trust. Uh, but what they discovered over the years and through empirical data of their, of, of their own experience is that those that have high performance and low trust are the most toxic people in their team. So even though they could be incredibly skilled, incredibly talented, gifted in every way, you put them in that team of the elite and the elite, they consider them toxic people and they actually bring everyone down. And so what they discovered and what they realized and what they actually choose is they rather have somebody that's actually a, a mid-performer or even a low performer and high trust rather than someone that's actually a high performer and low trust. And this is the elite of the elite, right? This is uh, the highest of highest in the military and this is what they discovered. And so this is really, uh, I found it to be really fascinating and I found it to be really important to really recognize and see because it really shows how much character comes into play in our relationships, in our jobs, in our world, and in our life, right? 
Because what we actually see in the business world, or what we actually see in our world today, is that although we might say we love character or talk about character, you look in, the, you look in your, bus, uh, your businesses or even as you go into your jobs and careers, no one really talks about character. Everything is about our job and our performance and our skills. Right? We have all these metrics about how we well we perform right? and our ability to perform, and you've got performance reviews. But no one really talks about them any, and has any metric about character. Maybe a referral, right? a character referral. But they don't really look at that. You know, they look at your academics. They look at your skill sets. They look at uh, who you're connected to. No one really looks about character. And that's what's actually happening. In our, and the, that's actually what is in our culture today. And so no wonder we have all these people that are high in power and high in, in positions, but they're terrible people that abuse their power and their authority. And even for some of us, you know, that are working, um, and some of us that you, you're dealing with your mid-managers uh, mid and your bosses, you realize how annoying or terrible or why you don't even want to go into work there. Because it's not necessarily about their character or the ability to relate or to connect. It's just about their skill. And so this is actually very problematic in what I, it was actually happening in our, in our culture and in our society today. And we even see it right now in the most highest of high, even in, in, in our country, in our politics, where we have President Trump, who's actually the third president to actually be impeached, right? Like right now, the, great, the, the leader of the free world, the highest of high of leadership right now, is actually in a place where he has abused his power, um, tried to leverage uh, his, uh, his way to gain information from a foreign nation to get, try to get dirt in Joe Biden because he's paranoid and scared. And you see so much corruption and immorality that's going on. But what we see in our world and our, uh, and our culture today is there's a polarization of who he is and uh, what the actions that he's taking. And it's not a surprise. Right? So I was actually really so, I was actually very grateful um, and I was actually very surprised when uh, Christianity Today, and I don't know if you guys know what Christianity Today is, and if you don't know, it's probably one of the most read evangelical magazines. It's actually a magazine that Dr. Sammy actually contributes to. Um, and they actually posted two articles about this and addressed this issue of immorality and character. Um, and they called out Trump for what it is, for who he is, um, and the immor immorality and the problematic issues and the systemic issues that's actually going on in our society today. Um, and just to let you know, if the, it's not a political hit, as I know, I read uh, Trump's Twitter, and no, they are not left-wing liberal uh, liberals or siding with Democrats. Actually, if you actually ask them what they really are, they're actually more centered, or actually they lean more to the right than more than anything else. Um, but this is what they actually said, and this is what one of the articles said. It said this, and this is by Mark uh, Ghali from, he's the editor-in-chief in Christianity Today. He said, the impeachment hearings have illuminated the president's immoral deficiencies for all to see. This damages the institution of the presidency, damages the reputation of our country, and damages both the spirit and the future of our people. None of the president's positives can balance the moral and political dangers we face under a leader of such gross 
grossly immoral character. And later on he says, can we say with a straight face that abortion is a great evil that cannot be tolerated? And with the same straight face, say that the bent and broken character of our nation's, of our nation's leader doesn't really matter in the end. Dang. Really powerful. But that's actually what's actually going on in our nation, where um, there's such a political divide, and even perspective of what we see of our president, where we're no longer seeing the morality and the character of leadership, uh, but just seeing about the agendas and the policies that he could actually perpetuate. And that is something that's actually happening within our country and within our culture that's actually happening, uh, that actually is going on. And so um, there was a follow-up article with the CEO, and he said this. He said, but this is not merely about impeachment or even merely about President Trump. He is not the sickness. He is a symptom of the sickness that we began before him, which is the hyper-politicalization of the American church. This is a danger for all of us, whether we fall into the political spectrum. Jesus said, we should give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God. With profound love and respect, we ask our brothers and sisters in Christ to consider where they have given to Caesar what belongs only to God, their unconditional loyalty. And this is the question that I have for you and I. What are we loyal to? And who are we loyal to? You know, because it's easy to point to Trump um, as the problem. You know, it's easy to say, oh, he's the issue of what's going on. But the reality is, and to be honest with, us, with you and I, it's the fact that Trump is just a reflection of our culture. The celebrity, the fame, and the vanity is something that we all long and desire and follow. You know, our Instagrams are about what? Right? It's all about vanity. It's all about how many likes that we have, how many, uh, who are the influencers that actually promote some type of beauty and product. It's not about character, even though we like to say we do, but what our country is uh, leaning towards and what we follow and what we're chasing after is really the similar things that Trump actually embodies and perpetuates. Power, celebrity, fame, wealth. And that's what the CEO is actually really addressing, not just to the American church, but to all of us. You know, because it's easy, I know for, you know, we live in New York, we could say, oh, Trump's the problem, all the, and we could just say that again and again and again. But what's actually, the real issue is, is what are we as a people, and in, the, in an individual level, do we actually really care about and what we really value? What do we really chase after and what we do, and what do we really pursue? And I believe that, in the in-between moments in our lives, as we're wrestling through you know, one transition to another, and actually going into 2020 with everything that's going on um, in a political world, in our sphere, I believe that God wants to really speak to us specifically about this. To change from a celebrity ethic uh, worldview to a character ethic worldview, and actually care more about that than anything else. So where... Where, what does God want to do in, our, in the in-between moments in our lives? And, and what does God want to work into and work through? And this is the point. To develop character over celebrity. You know, character is what brings depth. depth. Celebrity is what is superficial, what is vain. And the 
call to the church and the invitation of everyone here as brothers and sisters of Christ is to choose that kind of glory, the glory that actually matters, the glory that actually has weight, rather than vanity, celebrity, fame, and wealth. And, if, and in the direction of our country and our democracy or even, in an, um, or even with our families and where our society is going to, it's going to actually have to start with us. If we don't change and we don't really reflect and care about those things, things uh, people like Trump and the character of Trump is only just going to get worse and worse and worse. And so we have to look at within ourselves. We have to reflect as we go into 2020 and see what we want to honor, what we want to value, and what we want to look after and chase after. Okay, so let's continue on. So verse 17 says this, For a light and momentary troubles are achieving for us and an eternal glory that outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but for what is unseen, since what is, unse what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is internal. So I want to focus on the word achieving. The word achieving here means to work out. Literally means like if you're going to the gym to work out. Right? How many people work out here? A few of you. How many people want to work out in the new year? What's their resolution, right? Yeah, there's a couple of you that are raising your hands. So uh, to tell you a little story, uh, well, before that, well, so actually when Paul is talking about achieving here, what he's actually talking about is spiritual gains, right? So for example, uh, when I first started working out, and if you're looking to, uh, train, to get trained, I recommend Johan, um, like Body by Johan. You know, and I, I joke around, but uh, the truth is, uh, when I started working out, uh, it was actually Joe that actually helped him out. And he's actually a really great trainer. Because back when I started and I wanted to work out, I was like 110 pounds, uh, like skin and bones. And I went up to Joe and I was like, Joe, I want to get bigger. I want to get stronger. I, wa I want to start lifting. And so Joe put me on this program. And in this program, it was a very simple program, but it focused and it was emphasis was on squats and deadlifts. And I don't know if you know what that means or what that is. You could look it up, but uh, it was on squats and deadlifts, and that was the real, and that was the focus on it. And so I had no idea what it was. I followed him, um, and all I did was feel sore. <laughs> My body was aching. I didn't look bigger at all. I was just in pain. And I was like, Joe, what is going on? What is, like, what is happening? I, I don't want pain. I want to be big. I want to look good. You know, it's like, what happened to the bench workouts? What about the bicep workouts, you know, that makes me look good? And Joe was like, you don't need to do that. He's like, you just have to go to five simple exercises. You have to work out on your foundation. And it's just, you know, squats, deadlifts, you know, overhead press. Um, and then we'll, we'll throw in the bench here because that's actually important too. And I'll tell you this, two, three, two, three months of working out, I didn't see that many gains to be honest with you. I, I got slightly bigger. But I'll tell you what did happen. On the basketball court, man, I was flying. I mean, Dr. Sammy will attest this to you. I was actually, I actually touched rim. Now that's big for an Asian kid. That's 5'9", 115 pounds. <laughs> and I'm touching rim. And so I'm playing with all these basketball players. I'm playing with guys like Daniel, Dr. Sammy, all these athletic guys. And this scrawny Asian kid, right, with all these ath uh, athletic and talented basketball players, and guess what? I'm the one grabbing rim. 
I'm the one that's grabbing rebounds. And guess what? I'm the one that's actually blocking Danny, who is way bigger than me and taller than me, on the basketball court. You know? And so although, I love you, Danny. So although, you know, the biceps, the, I didn't get any bicep workouts that make me look cool or great. To be truthful to you on the basketball court, I was showing up. Right? And I, I joke around with you, and, and I share this story, but that's actually what God really wants to do in our lives spiritually and in the everyday moments in our life. When we work on our character, when we allow God to work in the internal stuff in our lives, we actually show up to the places that actually matter most. You know, like, that's why I really respected what happened in Christianity today. Right? They wrote that article, and usually they're apolitical. They usually avoid all those things because they have a lot of support from right-wing uh, evangelicals, but, even that, uh, but the risk of them sharing that and actually criticizing that um, to the point of where they might actually lose subscribers or criticism, they actually stood up because it was something that actually mattered most. And I think that's actually very important because when, you, when we fight for character, right, we fight for things that actually matter most and what's actually most important in our lives. You know, you look at Christ and what he did, even though it's to the point where it cost him his life, right? We, Christ came to die to the, most, to the, to the greatest death, uh, to the greatest suffering, because what he cared and mattered most was us, for you and I, to, re, to find redemption and reconciliation in our lives. Because what matters most, even in the, in the moments where you might actually lose in the moment, and even in, in, the, in, in the moments in our lives where uh, we needed God the most, he showed up. Right? And I think that's actually really very important to see and to recognize because the greatest love that God shared for us was that kind of action and that kind of representation where in the hardest moments, in the most difficult moments, people were there. God was there. And, it, and, and that kind of translate and that really, uh, uh, really speaks to deep in, into the deepest parts of us because that's where we experience love the most. And that's where we acknowledge where we are, uh, where people and God and ourselves, what we replicate and what we see and recognize is actually the most important. If people actually show up or not, right? No one wants to be a father or a mother or a friend that doesn't show up, right? The greatest moments where we actually felt loved, right, is when people actually show up in our lives. It's when in the hardest moments that people actually pull through and show up. And that's exactly what God is actually calling and challenging all of us to do. And so I knew, I know, I, sorry, I, okay, I need to finish this. All right, so, and, and this is what, uh, sorry, so, so this is what I want to say. And I want to say this real quickly. And it's a, uh, that in 2020, and I believe that that's something that God really wants to do in our lives. Because when I've seen throughout ministry and even through um, over the 10, past 10, 11 years of, of, of even some of you guys or even in my own ministry, the most powerful happens is when people actually just showed up. Real quick, real fun story because I, really, I, I really want to share this story. This actually happened in a holiday party just like a couple of weeks ago. Um, Dr. Sammy calls me the pagan pastor, but I just say I'm just following Jesus, and you know where the where the water where the wine is, I follow. You know what I mean? And so I was in the holiday party with a soju uh, cup in my hand, you know, just enjoying it. And actually, someone from our church that used to go to our church, or they said he's taking a break, comes up to me. I haven't talked to him for like two, three years. He comes up to me and he goes, "Yo, Pastor Billy, I'm sorry to say this to you. How are you? But really, I need your help." <laughs> and I'm like, 
okay, fine, cool, what's going on? It's a Kairos moment, right? The guy um, is a DACA recipient struggling, um, very, feeling very precarious, and in that moment, in the middle of people dancing and drinking, he has the courage to ask me, Pastor Billy, can you help me? And here I am, I have no idea, I was just coming in just to have a good time, and I'm showing up and having a conversation about life and faith with him. And when I, I went to ask him further, what's going on? He was like, you know, Pastor Bill, I've actually been trying to go to church for a while. I've been really thinking about it. I've been thinking about it. And it's just amazing and surprising that you're here. I have, maybe it's God, I don't know. In my mind, I'm like, yeah, it's definitely God. <laughs> but even in spite of people running away, people so far away, right? Over the years of 10 years, what makes 180, not, I want to say special, because Dr. Semi says we're not special, but why we exist, right, is not because we're so talented that Dr. Sammy has all these degrees, or Pastor Lydia has perfect, perfect pitch, or, or Henry has, is an amazing artist. Why we exist and why, why, we are so, why there's so much life change here and why we're going to continue to see life change is because we have people here that show up just like as Christ did. And I believe that that's what God is calling all of us to because that's the calling of the church, and that's a calling for our brothers and sisters in, uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ to become people that show up. And even if we're not, and if we're falling short and we're questioning our values and all that stuff, right? I believe the fight that God wants to challenge us to be is to become those kind of people because that's what's needed most in our society and our culture and even the people that we care about most today. Wanting to be people that show up, to become. So will you please stand with me? Thank you. Oh, second point, sorry, second point. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. Uh, to show up when it matters most, eternal glory becoming representation. I guess uh, Peeves wanted to say everything he didn't say the whole year. <laughs> <laughs> How fast can I preach? <laughs> uh, but Happy New Year uh, to everyone. It's, it's the last year of the decade. Uh, I know a lot of people are celebrating, probably all around the world, in different states. Uh, we... We, th we thank God for all he's done um, and all he will do. And, uh, you know, as we close today, because Peeves opened the Pandora box about his stories, I actually told him, I remember this vividly at IHOP, International House of Pancakes, and that's House of Prayer, that it is impossible for someone like you to touch rim. Some people are just biologically not engineered for those kind of things. <laughs> and he goes, what? He goes, you just wait. I just never knew he would have a secret weapon like Joe Hahn training him. But I, I just tell you the truth. I'll tell you the truth. When he touched rim, I literally thought I was dreaming. I mean, this is sad for Asian people to be talking about touching rim. I actually grabbed rim a long time ago, <laughs> 50 pounds lighter. But, uh, but I remember, uh, I think that's a good hyperbolic picture that Peeves gave because I think for, for some of us in this room and those who will be watching later, I think some of us think that that life of character, that virtuous life of integrity is an impossibility for me. I just, I'm not just wired that way. Inherently something in me uh, is just has a propensity towards self-centeredness, selfishness, and sinfulness. Anyone identify with that? You know, like, just like me, I'm just, just, that's just like for Pastor Lydia. No one ever attributed that to me, but, you know, maybe, maybe like, you know, those virtuous people, 
and those type, it's just that's impossible. That that pursuit of uh, living a life representing Him with with almost a perfect confidence, it's imperfect. It's it's impossible for me, and so we never try. You know, the truth is, you know, someone did a four minute while because and everyone does it now because it's been done, and and that's really w- the the message as we go to the new year. It's, it's possible to give your whole heart to the Lord. And I, I really like that word show up because it's about faithfulness. It's not about perfection. It's about direction. Amen. And as we close this year, let's, let's not think of that vision as an impossibility, but something we want. Our life will always fall short of our heart's desire to live for God, but incrementally catches up. And that's what we're hoping for. So will you pray with me today? Will you lift your hands with me as we close this year? Uh, and let's just pray to the Lord that, uh, that we would all get our Johan. And that's the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure if he's crazy as him, but they might push you hard. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is our counselor, our friend, our coach our mentor. Father, I want to pray for a vision next year where we would see a glory that's beyond flashy. We would see the glory and satisfaction of becoming the best we were meant to be in you to reflect your glory. To reflect life that we would produce fruit that's good a joy, a peace, a patience, a kindness, a gentleness to all the people around us, to a world in crisis. May we reflect you. It's worth it, folks. Father, I pray that 2020 would become a year where we do impossible things. More than we could ever ask or imagine, we ask God for you to make us holy, whole, and the best of who we are. So would you just ask that of the Lord today? You know, I distinctly remember as we close today that uh, every single person I've known in our in our community that they're older now that's following Christ all said that, I don't think that's possible for me. And there was a moment where they drew a line in the sand. They planted a flag and said, I'm going to give this my all. 
and it changed their life forever. And now they're starting a legacy in their families of what it means to live fully for Christ and to represent those values. I pray that, that, that 2020 would become that year for you, where you plan a flag, draw a line in the sand, say, God, I'm, I'm going all in. Will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Happy New Year. Go in peace. Hey everyone, we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today. We want to invite you to join us for our Sunday service. We meet at the AMC Lowe's Theater at 19th and Broadway in Manhattan at 12 noon, and we'd love to see you guys there. We also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at 539-7-PRAYER and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv.